Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Uh, Covering a number of issues, as you may have heard, uh, who should the GOP nominate in 2024, former President Trump? who has had verifiable successes but keeps stepping on himself, or Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who steps beyond his challenges and challengers, while fulfilling most promises to his constituents. Uh, The Wokes DEI, by the way, that stands for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, but guess what? Its diversity segregates by race, while its equity allocates by race, and its inclusion elevates by race, with each exposing a racism camouflaged as its own opposite with Joe Biden calling for its injection in government. Why is he doing that? Also, Fox reports, uh, not Fox, I should say, uh, just the news reported about Fox News, that um, that lawsuit they have going on with uh, Dominion, you know, over the voting machines. Well, turns out Dominion Director of Product Strategy and Security, one Eric Coomer, admits in a legal brief that before the 2020 election, His company's technology was marred by a critical bug leading to incorrect results. It's exactly the quotation. His company's technology was marred by, quote, a critical bug leading to incorrect results. Now, folks, what's next following this obviously underreported bombshell? Uh, But before I get into that, I also want to talk a little bit more about ESG. We're talking about DEI. There's ESG. That's known as Environmental, Social, and Government. Um, It's essentially taking political points and perspectives and agendas and making them the new measure uh, in some companies or many companies as to how they invest their employees' funds for retirement. And um, this is considered by many critics to be the greatest disconnect with the marketplace because companies accrue wealth 
by achieving market residence. That's their primary measure. They're supposed to essentially pursue endeavors and investments that will bring about the greatest returns. As a matter of fact, I believe it's by law it's supposed to do that. Uh, but when you have companies instead making the primary measure the fulfillment of these political endeavors, well, then you have a disconnect from that market residence. And uh, we're finding that a lot of or a number of ESG companies that have gone in that direction were also tied up with the train derailment um, in East Palestine, Ohio, where the environmental damage is still being assessed to so much ha- happening. Uh, joining us in that regard is Craig Bannister, old friend of the show. He's responsible for media relations, public relations, and marketing campaigns at CNS News, a fine organization. Craig, good to have you back. How are you today? Hi, Alan. Um, I'm doing fine, but uh, a little concerned about this whole ESG movement um, that uh, we'll we'll be getting into. Uh, Before we uh, get into our main thesis, so I do want to mention what I've uh, reported on back on the 17th, that there's a $900 billion uh, asset manager, investment manager company that is now giving bonuses, financial incentives uh, to its executives for reallocating portfolio funds to achieve ESG goals. Now, that sounds beyond dangerous because it, it really has nothing to do with what is supposed to govern investment in endeavors like that. I mean, how can you hope to get the most for your money? I, I mean, there, there's, there's, you got some uh, multiple lawsuits out there right now, don't you? Like 25 states are out there. Um, they're suing the Biden administration for coercing companies to violate the law by removing their, their current obligation to prioritize, let's say, fiduciary concerns as the most you know important measure of their portfolio management. Instead, you got uh, Biden's Department of Labor wanting to remove this legal priority. I think it's called, what, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act? ERISA, that's it, it's ERISA. And now they want it replaced by its own political agenda known as ESG, or as I said, Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it's all rooted in political agendas and, 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 and causes that really have not yet been codified in law. I don't see how Biden's ESG uh, agenda survives, especially against the backdrop of a number of these companies driven by ESG motives, being very tied to the train derailment in Ohio. Where am I mistaken? Oh, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, the, what's, what has yet to go, come, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to shine some light on it, are new rules that will actually require companies to track and report um, not only their ESG, especially carbon performance, um, publicly, but also that of their suppliers. So they not only have to track how well the, or report, and which means tracking how well they're meeting ESG objectives, but they have to also somehow gain this data from anyone they do business with. Uh, so that's even more onerous, and it is. Uh, yet it seems to come. unlawful. It seems unlawful, Craig. And, and and I mean, these states that are suing Biden, and there's a bunch of them. It's like 25 of them. They're arguing that the Biden administration is trying to accomplish through bogus regulation the very thing that's not that they've not been able to pass through Congress. Um, now, you uh, correctly wrote on this recently. This is what I want to dive into. You wrote that while the firms are, you know, quote unquote, the 
top two shareholders of Norfolk Southern, whose train derailment created an environmental disaster. They're also among the top shareholders of the parent companies of the broadcast networks that have abandoned coverage of the ongoing toxic threat. You're talking about ABC, CBS, NBC, how they were all connected to the firms via their parent companies and that they've all been uh, they've all but shut down their coverage of the disaster despite the ongoing threat to Ohio residents as well as the environment. Um, I mean, we, we, this is all what? BlackRock and Vanguard, is it not? Um, BlackRock and Vanguard, mainly uh, J.P. Morgan uh, has uh, a lesser interest in this. Uh, but yes, uh, the, the big two, uh, Vanguard and BlackRock, the two largest uh, shareholders of Norfolk Southern that owns the um, the, the the train company. Uh, ironically, if you will, uh, Vanguard and BlackRock through ESG are claiming to be uh, protectors of the environment. And here, uh, a, a train that they're uh, heavily invested in is poisoning the environment with uh, the toxic materials it's spilled through its derailment. Um, so, yes, you have BlackRock and uh, Vanguard. Well, hold on. Let me ask you something, Craig, very quickly. Yeah. It would then seem that because of the dynamics put in place by the Biden administration, the Biden administration and the ESG movement have been, in the aggregate, hoisted by their own proverbial petard because the very reporting requirements that they put in place vis-a-vis um, these regulations that Biden is, is putting forward – require them to report the failures of these ESG companies, yes? Well, yes, and uh, again, uh, hence the, the irony of this. Uh, so you have quite an incestuous uh, situation here, uh, Vanguard and BlackRock uh, being uh, the, the top two, and in the case of CBS, uh, the second and fourth largest shareholders of these uh, media companies that have stopped reporting on it. Uh, th- this ongoing uh, problem and tragedy, but um, uh, you also see that uh, <laughs> that they're tied into the very train that uh, that that derailed. Um, so it, it's 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 very curious. Now I will note that today, uh, uh, ABC in particular, but also CBS and NBC have have suddenly started. Uh, reporting on uh, East Palestine again. Uh, coincidentally, yesterday, President Trump, uh, former President Trump, visited the area. Uh, and uh, today, uh, the, the Transportation Secretary, um, Pete Buttigieg, is finally uh, showing up. Uh, yeah, but the, my understanding is the politicians on both sides of the aisle tried to tell him to stay away. I mean, and uh, he also obliquely tried to blame the previous administration uh, for what's happening, even though there's zero connectivity between his assertion and that assertion's required foundational merits. Isn't that fair to point out as well? Exactly. Too, too uh, funny. Just absolutely uh, too too absurd to, to even believe. It's amazing. And actually, Craig, if you can, hang on the line for, line for just a second. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. According to the new State of Security Preparedness 2023 study released by Avanti, approximately half of respondents said they are very prepared to meet the growing threat landscape, but expected safeguards are ignored a third of the time. And leaders are actually four times more likely to be victims of phishing compared to office workers. Avanti CEO, Jeff Abbott. 
Ivanti surveyed 6,500 executive leaders, cybersecurity professionals, and office workers globally to understand the perception of today's cybersecurity threats and to find out how companies are preparing for next-generation cyber terror threats. The overwhelming majority of security professionals and leaders, 97%, told us their organizations are as prepared or more prepared today than one year ago. However, the threat of the unknown is as real as ever. In fact, only one in five of those same cybersecurity professionals would wager a chocolate bar on the state of their readiness. To learn more, visit Ivanti.com slash cybersecurity report. It has been over 30 years since Hurricane Andrew devastated South Florida. That storm marked the beginning of the Home Depot being a hub for help during disasters, a tradition that continues today. To commemorate those efforts, the company is releasing a new film called Hope Bills. Briar Waterman, Senior Director, Creative Design of the Home Depot. Drawing from interviews and using archive footage, we trace the origin, growth, and sophistication of the Home Depot's disaster relief efforts, demonstrating it is deeply connected to the values of the company and our unwavering support to our communities during their times of need. Whether it be a veteran in need or a community devastated by a natural disaster, Home Depot associates go beyond the job, beyond the nine to five, to make sure that their neighbors and communities are taken care of. This documentary is a prime example. To learn more about the film or for help creating your emergency supply kit, visit your local Home Depot or thehomedepot.com slash hopebills. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, Visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. A number of troubling things have gone on. I've been talking about how Biden has put forward this executive order to have woke policies essentially be a part of the artificial intelligence 
some folks are calling it a social cancer. Um, but this is a, a troubling development. He signed an executive order uh, that folks are warning would allow the creation of woke artificial intelligence. It would essentially wind up promoting racial division in the name of, of in the name of ostensibly stopping it. Uh, the order tells all federal agencies to establish a yearly, uh, quote-unquote, equity action plan. Um, in one section, it, under the heading of embedding equity into government-wide processes, uh, the Director of Office of Management and Budget is instructed, quote, to support equitable decision-making, promote equitable deployment of financial and technical assistance, and assist agencies in advancing equity as appropriate and wherever possible. Thank you in part to Fox News for reporting on this. Folks, this is disturbing. Um, this diversity, equity, and inclusion <clears throat> is ostensibly um, saying that, you, you know, it's hoping to lift people up, but instead it winds up crushing people down because its diversity segregates by race. Its equity allocates by race, and its inclusion elevates by race so you wind up having each exposing racism camouflaged as its own opposite and now biden wants to inject it in government through ai i like ron DeSantis's approach the very popular governor of the great state of florida just won re-election by almost 20 points he replaces diversity equity and inclusion with equality merit and colorblindness equality merit and colorblindness i mean if we're really all about, you know, getting rid of racism, it would seem that that would be the way to go. Unless, of course, language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it. Anyway, without further ado, I want to go ahead and uh, rejoin an old friend of the show. Appreciate him sticking around, Craig Bannister. Uh, he's responsible for media relations, public relations, and marketing campaigns at CNS News. He's here with us uh, chatting about uh, how ESG, which is environment, social, and government, uh, the ESG... Um, uh, wealth management funds are paradoxically linked with this uh, Ohio train disaster, and you got the media covering it up because so much of the media has its own dollars invested with these characters. Craig Bannister, thanks for sticking around. Appreciate it. Sure thing, Nathan. If I may add an asterisk to uh, what you were just saying about DEI. Sure. Um, I, I posted a piece yesterday, uh, Rasmussen survey, that shows that uh, only, and I say only, 22% of U.S. adults say, quote-unquote, it's okay to be white. Now, I, I think that's a sign of, uh, of both uh, government mantra and uh, liberal media propaganda uh, that divides us rather than uh, unites us. No, no, you're right on that, but I still believe that the woke will eventually be put to sleep. I, I really do, because they have this inverted burden of proof structure in all their arguments. And, Craig, it's really just its just not sustainable. As I mentioned earlier, there's, there's a limit. There's really a limit to how long people can take seriously assertions endlessly predicated on what are merely just other assertions with only shaming tactics used as the validation. I mean, most, I think, catch on to the differences between a genuine premise versus a pretext pretending to be one. I mean, speciously constructed, the, the woke left employ a guilt tactic, my friend. What they'll do is they'll use a guilt tactic uh, 
applying secondary measures of, let's say, allegedly more important morals to supplant the primary moral measure of our right to choose for ourselves that which we prefer. And, and the problem with their formula is that these manipulative authoritarians can always find a way to remove our free will, and people who really embrace equality cannot concurrently reject free will. Uh, I, I mean, it's like Aesop's fables. A tyrant will always find a pretext for his tyranny. And we need to accelerate the woke's demise as quickly as possible because the disease of their inverted burden-approved structure is spreading rapidly. You're right. You pointed out how it's being promulgated in the media like crazy and, and uh, a small, only a small percentage of America say it's okay to be white. That's, that's bizarre. And, and we have only so many societal resources to allocate within our nation's time-sensitive learning curve to get this corrected. And, um, but the truth is, we will eventually win. The woke cannot sustain its style of argument, because basically they're telling us that the conclusion of their claim is validation for their argument versus showing the validation itself. They're basically using presuppositions masquerading as settled argument versus showing how that argument was ever actually settled. Just look what they did with, with Kavanaugh when he was nominated for the Supreme Court. They screamed at the Senate Judiciary Committee, how can you put a rapist on the Supreme Court? How can you put a rapist on the Supreme Court? That presupposed that he had ever been shown to be one, and he never was. The three witnesses fell out of the sky like a plane on fire. That's what I mean. Assertions cannot just be predicated only on other assertions. They've got to be tethered to some measurable standard of accountability and dialogue and debate. And that reality is what I think will eventually crush the woke. Or am I being overly sanguine about this? Your take on it, Craig Bannister. Well, um, I agree. I mean, it's an emotional rather than a rational appeal, uh, appealing to people's um, uh, emotions uh, to uh, to to get them to buy into uh, an argument. Uh, that's problematic, and I hope you're right about, um, uh, about this eventually backfiring. Uh, my personal view is, is that uh, there is a societal rubber band, um, and you can only stretch it so far one way or the other before it either A, snaps back, or worst-case scenario, breaks. Well, I think you're on to something. That's how come it will lose. I mean, it, it won't take long for people to catch on, much longer, because, let's face it, the left... In, at their core, are genuinely anemic in argument. I mean, in all candor, their grip on debate is akin to a, a moose grasping onto bicycle handlebars with Vaseline-coated hooves. I mean, the only reason why they've enjoyed their outsized success is thanks to a sort of inculcated media that's sort of obeisantly carrying more water for them than a million meth-driven fire brigades. I mean, they're, they're just, they can't ultimately win a debate when they're challenged. Anytime they have to engage in a Socratic dialogue, which is to say point-counterpoint, counter-to-point-counterpoint, they fall apart. They can't survive. And the and so they, they respond with name-calling. And that eventually is what brings them down as well. I mean, you, 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 if you're going to just use name-calling, you're basically telling me that um, you're weak. You know, you can't hold up your argument. The only legitimate measure of any dialogue or debate is the one born out of the original dispute first exposing the conflict, otherwise known as the rub. And the degree to which the left can't uphold their half of the original rub 
is really the extent to which they're exposing that, that, ha- that they have a weak-ass argument. And we just need people out there, such as Ron DeSantis, who can more effectively bifurcate and deconstruct their, their crazy sophistry for more and more people to catch on, like Elisa Banks did. The edgy rap artist who left California, moved to Florida, and hails DeSantis as quite the hero for being a pragmatist and getting SHI blank done. People are seeing through it, just not as quickly as we'd like. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. You ever want to make sure that we don't overfeed our animals? Because feeding our animals more is not love. You know, there's so many other ways you can show love, like throwing a ball and walking them and give them a little extra love. His annual end obesity campaign by Hills is wonderful for a guy like me and Dr. Hodges who are practicing veterinarians because his obesity, like you said, is one of those um, illnesses or conditions that we see most in the veterinary hospital. And it can be very difficult sometimes talking to clients about, you know, their patient being obese, you know. But Hills with their campaign have given us the tool to be able to get this message across. And it's something that they do annually. They've invested a lot of time, a lot of money into the research, into the pet food that we can use to help these animals that are obese. So you can go to inpetobesity.com and you can learn a whole lot more about how you can actually use the love test as well as learn more about Hills Pet Nutrition and ways to control your pet's weight. Hi there, it's Joe Montana. Life after football has been full of taking my shot at new things. Now I'm working with Pfizer to tell you about pneumococcal pneumonia. Pneumococcal pneumonia should be the last thing standing in your way. Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can strike any time of year. It can disrupt your life for weeks, and in severe cases, it can put you in the hospital and even be life-threatening. And Joe knows that vaccination is one of the best ways to help protect himself from pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're 65 or older or 19 or older with certain underlying medical conditions like asthma, COPD, chronic heart disease, or diabetes, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about the risk of pneumococcal pneumonia and whether vaccination is right for you. Understand your risk at KnowPneumonia.com. That's K-N-O-W Pneumonia.com. This is your shot. This message is brought to you by Pfizer. Know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. 
I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, Biden's endeavor to immerse uh, wokeism in artificial intelligence throughout government. Uh, this seems to be a very dangerous approach. Uh, assisting in the opining and analyzing in that regard, we have old friend of the show, Jeff Bermont, uh, founder and CEO of Tusk. It's a conservative online browser. Jeff, good to have you back, buddy. How are you today? Back on your show. Good to have you. Good to have you. You know, uh, as I was mentioning to the audience before, Woke's uh, DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, but again, its diversity segregates by race while its equity allocates by race. And let's face it, its inclusion elevates by race. And I think each does so in a fashion that exposes a racism camouflaged as its own opposite. And now, of course, you've got Biden wanting to uh, uh, have this infection throughout government. And it seems almost antithetical to what it's ostensibly for. I mean, now Ron DeSantis out of Florida, he wants to replace diversity, equity, and inclusion with equality, merit, and colorblindness. I think uh, most people who are not functionally illiterate would prefer that as well, um, as opposed to having words uh, turned upside down when juxtaposed to their original denotative and connotative meanings. Um, how do you see this... Uh, uh, going forward in your own assessment? How do you see Biden getting away with infusing, let's say, equity throughout artificial intelligence um, throughout government itself? Yeah, it's a problem. And I've already seen it in the, you know, I've been on and played a lot with the new chat, GPT. And I've noticed that it, it no matter, like we put in Tusk, our, our browser, and it, at first it says, I don't have any information. And then when I furnish it, the 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 uh, the site, it then tells me, oh, you're an app that you know for privacy and security. And I said, well, what about freedom of speech? Because that's what we're all about. And it refuses to either recognize that, or when it recognizes it, it caveats it with, well, unless this is misinformation. And once again, you see that the 
kind of the workings of the government as well as the private sector, kind of holding hands. Uh, so whether this was done on purpose by the developers or it just a happenstance that it's taken on this nature, they, they kind of are symbiotic with the government and the private sector, like a lot of software developers, that they bought in versus what you just talked about, which is equity through you know, non-favoritism towards just fairness uh, and being colorblind, which is how I think many of us conservatives see the world. Uh, I know I'm colorblind. I've had two C- C- uh, CEOs that were black and both did a great job for me. And um, I, I don't quite understand this whole – I understand how we want to elevate people. Uh, that's a really good thing but not elevate them and being unfair to the other race, which is where we're heading. Well, the election integrity project uh, comes to mind when you're talking about the government tag teaming with the civilian environment. Um, government has uh, the Department of Homeland Security as well as the State Department uh, actually coordinating with uh, civilian entities to censor speech not to their liking. Uh, off the top, I think we've got uh, uh, CISA, which is the um, cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. It's a component of the Department of Homeland Security. They're tag teaming with, again, the Election Integrity Pro- uh, Partnership. And the Election Integrity Partnership is comprised of four components. You've got uh, the Stanford Internet uh, uh, Observatory. You've got uh, the Atlantic Council's uh, Digital Forensic Research Lab. Um, you've got Grapico, which is a, a social media um, analytics firm and uh, others, and, and, and these people essentially provide back doors to the government in which these uh, bureaucrats and officials are able to write tickets requesting um, that certain forms of dissent be struck. And in my estimation, this is a clear case of a violation of the First Amendment, is it not? Yes, no, no doubt. The government... Uh, it, you know that right now the the law says private parties can do what they want political now uh, um, so th- that's possible but once the government gets involved and has a hand in it as we saw with twitter they had a hand in what twitter was uh, was uh, uh censoring um that's where we've gone off the path of first amendment now i'm i'm waiting to see who gets held ac- accountable for the twitter events from the government as usual it feels like these guys will just get away with it, and the rest of us would be, you know, you know, would would have a, a trial against us. And in this case, these guys seem to always get away with it. I mean, Hillary Clinton got away with it. The guys that perpetrated the Russian uh, fake news on on Trump, they're getting away with it. It's it just doesn't seem right to me. Well, it, it strikes me that the people who have the lawsuit against these folks, this is Louisiana, Missouri, uh, attorneys general from there. Uh, one of them, I think the one from Louisiana, he went on to, uh, no, the one from Missouri, uh, Steve Schmidt, I believe, he went on to uh, uh, prevail as uh, the newest senator from the great state of Missouri, but he was one of the attorneys general in the lawsuit. And they're going after Biden for tag-teaming with big tech to, to censor us. But it, it, it's this election integrity partnership that's the key problem here. Again, it's a consortium comprised yes. of four organizations, Stanford Internet Observatory, as I said, then the University of Washington's patronizingly titled Center for an Informed Public, 
But again, you, you know, again, Stanford Internet Observatory, SIO, the University of Washington Center for an Informed, Pub- uh, an informed Public, the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and again, that uh, Grapika, the social media analytics firm. And they provide the government with a backdoor access to them to submit these tickets, file these tickets, demanding that online story links and and media posts that they don't like be censored or flagged by big tech. And I'm sorry, uh, this is a cartoonish violation of the First Amendment. We don't even have to work hard at this. Now, I know the Supreme Court recently sort of turned their back on weighing in on whether or not Section 230 should be addressed. This protects big tech from libel suits. But that had to do with uh, a minutia of concerns about whether or not uh, big tech should be held accountable for, you know, quashing everything that might eventually lead to terrorism. What we're talking about here, I think, is far more straightforward and would be more easily understood by the Supreme Court. I mean, hell, talk hosts are talking about this with a pretty good uh, authority on the issue. I imagine the Supreme Court justices would now ha- would, no- would have no excuse to walk away from this conundrum, would they? No, I, I don't think so. I think this needs to be elevated. When the government clearly is involved with tech and censoring, uh, that step that has clearly stepped over the the legal line, and, uh, and shame on on the Biden. Uh, and you know, I had this discussion this morning with with my wife about the Democratic Party that seems to constantly want to step over the lines, violate. I mean, there was a story this morning about uh, outing um, and uh, uh, and and thinking. Uh, identities to get information about con- Republican congressmen that are in office. And this is the kind of stuff that has to stop. And um, I-, I don't know how they've gotten to this point of liking dirty tricks and uh, dishonesty, but they did it in, on the rush of gate. They've done it now with the Biden laptop. Why is the Biden laptop two and a half years out? Still, there's no um, there's no uh, action by the federal government. I, I mean, that it, was definitely election. Uh, that was election interference. When you have the FBI and Twitter yes. files show that the FBI weighed in on this and made specific requests for them to suppress that story. Um, you have Elvis Chan, who talked about how they had constant meetings with uh, you know operators from the FBI, meeting with big tech, especially Twitter during its pre-Musk ownership days, uh, doing these very things. And um, they need to get. They need to be. Uh, disabused of their Section 230 protections, because thanks to government Section 230 gift to big tech protecting them from libel suits, big tech can censor free speech on behalf of these government benefactors who can't do it directly themselves because of our First Amendment rights. But as far as I'm concerned, if they can't do it directly, they can't also do it indirectly. I mean, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or bridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peacefully to assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, if the government can't do those things directly, it means it also can't do it indirectly, and it can't use the excuse of, well, a process uh, gets us off the hook because we're letting others do it for us by proxy. The Constitution says the government can't do it, whether it's directly or indirectly, and, I mean, come on, if, if all they need uh, as an excuse to not be held accountable is the claim of having a process in place, well, then the First Amendment becomes meaningless, does it not? I mean, if government can censor you, it can oppress you. Because its practice of the first means that we cannot object to the second. Isn't that fair to point out, sir? Absolutely. Absolutely correct. And it's times like that 
where government needs to watch its collective backside because that's what the Second Amendment option is all about. If aggregate government essentially rebels against its people by violating the Constitution on point, it becomes tyrannical. A government becomes tyrannical when it disconnects itself from the very laws it requires the rest of us to follow. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. Going to be right back. Sponsored by IBM. IBM is transforming how it engages with business partners through the launch of IBM Partner Plus, a single integrated program to help deepen partners' technical expertise, accelerate time to market, and win with clients. New and existing partners will experience a transparent, simple, and modern program anchored around three pillars – Competitive incentives, insider access, and enhanced support and benefits. Partners can grow skills, develop solutions, and build sales expertise using IBM technology. Kate Woolley, General Manager, IBM Ecosystem. We are introducing IBM Partner Plus, a new program built hand-in-hand with our partners to help them gain skills, grow faster, and earn more. By offering access to the same education, programs, and hands-on training that IBMers get, we are better equipping partners to bring the power of AI and hybrid cloud to our clients. For more information, visit ibm.com slash partner plus. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind a wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his his first first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. 
People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us uh, covering a number of issues here today. Um, one of them has to do with uh, Ron DeSantis. I'm wondering, you know, who should the GOP nominate in 2024? Former President Trump, who has had verifiable successes, but let's face it, keeps stepping on himself. Or how about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? who seems to be able to step beyond his challengers as well as his challengers while still fulfilling most promises to his constituents. Um, and you have a lot of people who go, go for this guy. Uh, you know, some people on the left like refer to him as uh, just a social warrior, what have you. But actually, he's quite the nuanced pragmatist, quite uh, erudite in his assessment. Even Bill Maher recognized that he had a very scientific approach to not going along with the COVID uh, mandates and, and strong-arm protocols demanded by the federal government and some left-wing uh, state governments. He he went his own way. Um, he's gone out against uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion at colleges because he's come to recognize that diversity does segregate by race while equity allocates by race. And uh, inclusion seems to elevate by race. And as I said before, each is really exposing a racism camouflaged as its own opposite with with Biden now calling for its injection throughout government. Uh, we discussed that artificial intelligence as well. Anyway, of course, DeSantis is uh, in the middle of a uh, anti-crime tour, a pro-police tour, if you will. Lots of people have reported on it. Um, Fox and Tampa Bay did as well. Government DeSantis kicks off pro-police tour around the country as uh, the White House rumors swirl. He is the guy that is seen as the one who can most effectively um, – take away the nomination from President Trump. I, for one, am rooting for for the guy. Uh, also, though, uh, as it relates to the um, uh, pro-police tour or anti-crime tour, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, Sean Themia, uh, Themia rather, uh, Chief of Staff for Young Americans for Liberty. He's been published in The Federalist and has appeared in outlets such as Fox Business, uh, OAN, as well as Newsmax. Sean, good to have you on board. How are you today? Hey, Alan. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, a pleasure, a pleasure. Now, uh, you're urging uh, the governor to uh, push through a constitutional carry in Florida. West Virginia finds that it works well for them. Uh, people have think twice or three times before 
trying to burglarize folks or walk into restaurants for mass shooting endeavors because uh, we've had instances in which uh, Granny's been able to pull out a you know a 38 special and take somebody down. I mean, th- these stories have been reported on. It does seem as if there's less likelihood of gun violence in states where uh, gun rights are given greater latitude versus less, especially when you have a constitutional carry state going on. Um, you guys are going to press the governor, yes? A hundred percent, Alan. You know, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Twenty-five states have passed constitutional carry. Florida has the second most gun owners in the country. But unfortunately, the bill that is currently on track to Governor DeSantis's desk is not constitutional carry. It is counterfeit carry. House Bill 543 would not allow for open carry, the ability to carry a gun in full view. So, you know, you think like you carry it inside and concealed versus you carry it on your hip. If you carry the gun on your hip and open view, that would be a crime under this counterfeit carry bill. And so Governor DeSantis I imagine he wants to sign a pro-gun bill. I imagine he wants to show he stands with gun owners. But whether he knows it or not, this bill is not con carry. It's counterfeit carry. And we've got to make him aware of that. Otherwise, it's a complete disservice. No, it's not actually called called counterfeit carry. It's it's your terminology for it. It means concealed carry, right? Well, the bill is being passed off as constitutional carry. It's being passed off as, oh, this is going to give us full rights. But that's a lie. It is not true constitutional carry, the bill that is coming through, because it does not allow for open carry. And if I'm correct, it also does not allow for carry for 18 to 20-year-olds, right? But at the bare minimum, open carry is part of constitutional carry. This bill does not allow for open carry, and Governor DeSantis should not sign the bill (laughs) or send it back and say, hey, I'm only going to sign this if it's true constitutional carry, which it is not. What um, is the mood in the Florida legislature vis-a-vis your preference? I mean, do you have a a growing number of folks who are of the same mind, or are they just happy to get what they've gotten so far and say, hey, we'll go visit this another day? The Florida legislature needs some work, right? we got to understand three fundamental truths. Politicians, they want to get elected, get reelected, and get elected to higher office. And the safest way to do that as a Republican is to pretend like you are advancing liberty, that you're standing with your constituents and you're fighting the woke left. But in reality, you're just passing these do-nothing bills and these bills that are not pure, bills that do not truly restore rights to the American people. And now, the well, let, me, let me stop you right there. I agree with you. People. I agree. I'm a big constitutional carry fan as well. I am a, fire own, I'm a firearm owner myself, as is my wife. Um, and and we, you know, we live in a constitutional carry state. That said... Uh, some folks might say, hey, better have three quarters of a loaf than no loaf at all. Is it fair to say that this bill, while it doesn't go as far as you would like, does afford more rights than Floridians currently have vis-a-vis gun ownership? The problem with that line of thinking is it will become exponentially harder to get true constitutional carry signed once this counterfeit carry bill, if it is signed, is signed, because the Republicans will say, what? We don't, we don't need to respond to these gun owners. We don't need to press forward this bill. We already did it. And they can pat themselves on the back and go home and take the lobbyist money. You well, know, what's who been would the resistance then? What, what's the resistance? The... As you see it, what's been the resistance in the Florida legislature to go all the way? I mean, where's the hot? I mean, if, if they're going to have 
concealed carry anyway, and, and for the most part, all other rights associated that the left hate. I mean, what's, what's the, where's the compunction in taking it that much farther? I mean, you, you know, you, you, it doesn't strike me that they would lose support. I mean, or, is, or has there been some Democrat crossover that they've been able to enjoy as long as they were willing not to take it that far? Right. I think the biggest reason that they're not doing it because, is because they are scared of opposition mail in their next election that the Democrats will put out that will say, look at what this Republican did. It's radical. He, he passed constitutional carry. Oh, no, vote for the Democrat. They would rather compromise and pretend to respect the gun owners while avoiding the Democrat attacks because all they want to do is keep their seat. They care more about keeping their seat than they do about restoring rights to their constituents. But that, that and young American liberty will call them out on it. But that presupposes that such a letter being put out would have such an impact. And I submit to you that that's crazy. I mean, think about it. If, if you walk into a restaurant, you, you intend on being violent, and you see people in front of you have guns on them because they're visibly displayed, it would seem that would be a greater disincentive than what you're describing now. I'm just, I see what you're saying. I'm just surprised that there's that much of a struggle in a state like Florida. But we got to have you back real soon on this issue. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Uh, once again, Sean Themia, a blast having you. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.